Hi everyone, my name is Patrick Akil. How do you speak in public and do it well? That's what we cover in today's episode. And joining me is Sabia Sachi Sengupta. He's the founder of Method in Madness, where they also have a podcast. Talks a lot about business transformation, change, and innovation. And besides that, he does a lot with public speaking, stands on stage almost every week, and is really good at it. I'll put all his socials in the description below. And with that being said, enjoy the episode. Beyond coding. I was wondering, since you do a lot with public speaking, like what was your first experience with public speaking? Why did you get into it in the first place? Ooh, I, I don't know if, if, if a debate competition also qualifies as a public speaking. I think so, yeah. Uh, so um, I was in 10 years old. Um, yeah, 10 years old. So, you know, here's the thing. I was a very skinny, small guy. Mm. I was very shy. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. Okay. I was uh, I was I was not an introvert, but I was just a bit reserved. I'm I'm if I if I, if I find my uh, kind of people, I'm I'm an extrovert. If I don't, I completely, you know, I'm I'm very guarded. I don't uh, uh, speak. So that was my childhood till I was pretty much eighteen. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people from my childhood look at me on social media today that I'm speaking and this and that. They're like, whoa. Mm. How did you transform? How did you become this? But I was always this outgoing person it's just um i need to feel that connect you know the right environment yeah and of course as a child you're self-conscious you don't want to stand out yeah something that we crave to do as an adult we don't want to do that as a kid um i was always i loved uh, speaking at home and i was very argumentative very to the point i was um, and growing up in a culture like india it was never appreciated to talk <laughs> back to parents and to family members with with logic yeah. and when people cannot cut you with logic they bring the age but we are older than you yeah. and that really works uh, because a lot. i'm your parent yes exactly <laughs> exactly because i'm your parent um, uh, so my brother actually my elder brother um, channelized this inner rebel in me and uh, cajoled me to go for a debate competition in, okay. in, in, in school. I still remember the topic was, uh, is television a vice or a television is a good thing or bad thing? Now, this is 1995 where a television was already the talk of the town. Yeah. We didn't have Netflix or WhatsApp or Instagram. So uh, we were already um, discussing how much screen time we spend on TV. Yeah. Um, and I remember saying that television is a good thing, just like anything. It has a vice and virtues, vices and virtues. It's how you choose it. Um, it was it was very nerve wracking because uh, first of all, I think my teachers and my classmates were shocked that I volunteered. It was not willful. I was uh, cajoled uh, and blackmailed by my brother, who really <laughs> wrote a speech for me, who really pushed me to go. Uh, and 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 uh, you know do it in front of the class, which was very very uncomfortable for me. Yeah, uh, I was really really extremely nervous when I did it, but I I also remember the feeling. I didn't win, mm. but I do remember that feeling when I went past the first two lines. I went completely off script. Yeah, I forgot most of the things, but I kept talking. I kept making points, and I was like, okay, I'm making some. I can speak. Yeah. Um. I never did it again, I like here and there presentation. But I remember like when I was eight, 17, 18 in the high school, our teacher sometimes gave us these impromptu topics to talk about. And it was like a class of 80 people. They were not listening. You know, you're in the rebel teens. You don't want to listen to the teacher and you're yeah. like dis disrupting the class. 
and uh, I went and I spoke. I spoke about uh, Indian snack, it, and you have to make metaphor with these things. Okay. And I spoke about how all the spices come together to make this beautiful. And if one of the ingredient is missing, how the food is so lackluster, and um, and we all need to stay together just like this to make you know bring our energies, bring our skills, and make uh, our class a success. Yeah. Um, as I started speaking, I saw a pinch of silence. Okay. I saw the crowd was listening. They, those eighty unruly kids who otherwise would normally bully me or make fun of me are now listening to me, are giving me full attention. And when I finished, they applauded for me. And then a cool dude goes after me to speak, and they, he does not have the command over the crowd. They're yeah. just not listening to him. They just the follow up on you exactly. Yeah. But for me, it was like I, I I felt like words were my weapons, you know, as a as a very uh, like I said, I was very conscious of how I look. I was very skinny, uh, very shy. Yeah, didn't have. Um, I was very average in studies. I had nothing going right for me except words. Words mm-hmm. were my weapons, and uh, yeah, that's how I uh, developed it. Of course, I didn't at that age. I didn't have the maturity to understand that. Yeah, but I kept nurturing it in college, doing presentations, going for more debates. And yeah, and then never stop talking. I'm right. still talking. <laughs> I think I've I've answered the question already, but I'm still talking. This no, is what happens when you fine. do public speaking. No worries, not no, no worries at all. I was wondering why your brother, like when you were that young, why was it so important for him for you to do that? Did you ever have that conversation with him? You know, my br- uh, uh, my brother has been really the uh, uh, driving force, a big force in my life, who has noticed qualities in me that I did not know that existed yeah. and has pushed me um, to do things. And I, I, you know, being sibling, I think we both have similar interests. I think he's also very good in debates and presentations. And uh, I think part of him, he lived that, uh, you know, that uh, energy and that, uh, what do you call that, um, motivation for uh, through me. Like he want, mm. I was living a, uh, his uh, passion for public speaking yeah. through he was leaving that his passion for public speaking through me I, in a way but I also I think uh, you know we've both had similar childhood we've also seen similar bullyings similar situations so uh, he's a bit older than me so he also realized that probably wo- I need those words as weapons to protect me yeah I like and, that a lot I mean I'm the I'm the oldest of four yeah like my second or my my oldest little brother he's seven years younger than me yeah and my sister she's 10 years younger than me yeah and the youngest brother is 16 years younger than me wow so there's quite the age difference my brother's 10 years older than me 10 so, years yeah. so you got that one yeah. yeah that makes a lot of sense because always what i found like with the brother that's seven years younger than me i grew up with him the most right i'm now yeah. out of my parents place my youngest brother is now he's coming up he's going to be 12 soon like there's a big age difference there so with the Oldest little brother, man, I have really, I have trouble saying that. <laughs> In any case, with the, <laughs> the first one, I tried to give all my knowledge to him, right? All my learnings, all my mistakes and all my learnings, I would try and be like, okay, these are the things and this is my advice and blah, 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 because I thought that would really help him. And yeah, I feel like that also backfires because I mean, trust <laughs> me, I mean, uh, if you if you speak to my brother, he would say I'd listen to probably five percent or less than that what he tells me. Yeah, but mistakes, uh, learning from mistakes is is really a. I think learning from your own mistakes is is the best way of learning. Yeah. So you, if you want someone not to make mistakes and already give a template, this is right, this is wrong, 
uh, yeah, it's, it, it probably doesn't work. People need, we all need to make our own mistakes to learn. Yeah, because, I, I agree uh, with that now. <laughs> back then I was like, listen, these mistakes, no, 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 you don't have to make we these. We all need to make the same yeah. mistakes because uh, being like, if you don't make mistakes uh, at, a, at the young age, you will probably make them at older age, which is, has a bigger price. So it's good to make mistakes. Mistakes yeah. are uh, good learning points, I think. I mean, I, I agree. It's just back then I didn't think, I didn't, think, I didn't agree. <laughs> yeah, I like that nowadays as adults, like it's okay and it's accepted that people make mistakes, right? Yeah. And you don't really, how do you say that? You don't punish them for mistakes. As a kid, sometimes you get punished for mistakes. Like, yeah. Oh, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And that probably, you take that with you as an adult. Absolutely. And, 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 uh, the world that I grew up in yeah. is the 90s, you know, uh, scarcity was really a thing. Uh, opportunities, jobs uh, were uh, not easy. And, you know, um, I, I remember speaking to my peers mm. now when I speak to them, at even at the age of 14, 15, they were concerned where they will work, what is going to be their career, how are they going to make both ends meet in a few years. Uh, I was really not worried. I had my own... You know, I was the male version of Alice in Wonderland. I had my <laughs> own Wonderland where I could escape. Uh, I had my own Narnia. I would go there, be happy, draw and everything. Um, of course, the world around me changed um, uh, as I grew older. But that that real, that real mentality of really hard work, we need to really put everything, you know, uh, was there. And... and yeah, it's 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 uh, it's it, it's a very hard one to compete with, you know. So yeah, yeah, that's that's the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I like that. There's always different kind of nature versus nurture things. I mm -hmm. still think a lot has to do with upbringing. Yeah, yeah. But a sure. lot you also still have in you, right? Your brother might have pushed you to do something, but you already had it in you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure because there's many other things you pushed me for that didn't work <laughs> out. So that's definitely a thing, and. Also, I think uh, what you said about upbringing, um, we mentioned uh, our friend Alex, you know, yeah. we, we our common connection. Um, I remember talking to him a few weeks back. I had a big uh, speaking assignment. I was going for a big w workshop for a whole day and I was very nervous that I'm going to mess it up. Mm. I mean, even though I'm confident in the work I did, I've already known those stakeholders, but still it's a big uh, uh, one and I was really nervous and I remember calling Alex and telling him I think I'm going to completely mess it up yeah what do you think <laughs> and he said like okay what story do you tell yourself if you mess it up I'm like that I'm not good enough I'm messing up every opportunity and everything and he's like is this how you got treated when you were a kid I'm like yeah every time I saw an opportunity go past me where I didn't get an admission to a school or I didn't uh, get the grades that I would deserve or uh, my teachers expected more from me. This is how I was getting treated, that I'm not good enough, I'm messing up opportunities, I'm not putting enough effort. I've only seen anger, frustrations, grief. Yeah. And his question was, did you like it? I said, no, I hated it. Mm -hmm. So his counter question was, then don't treat yourself now how you didn't want to be treated as a kid. Yeah. And that was such a moment of epiphany for me that like, gee, I've been treating myself exactly how I didn't want to be treated. Yeah. So. That is so Alex also. That is so Alex. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he's a really amazing guy. Exactly. Yeah. That's really funny. Because I, I don't know if it was during the episode, but he mentioned a few things and I was like, yeah, that happened in my childhood. And now I see that I'm doing that to myself now. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Alex and, has this magic power yeah. to, 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 uh, to take you back to your childhood. Yeah. 
and uh, and and show you the mirror how exactly. you are still that that child and you have you've grown in experience in your life and everything but you're still functioning like that uh, i would say insecure child yeah. and that's confronting but also comforting because now you know what not to do exactly you're aware yeah that's the that's the powerful thing exactly. i was thinking exactly the same metaphor he puts a mirror in front of you yeah. and shows you the reality yeah. uh, <laughs> you met you met alex through toastmasters yes. right Was that Toastmasters here? Like yes, in the, in the Netherlands, Netherlands? In, in Amsterdam, actually. And did you join Toastmasters before already, or was this kind of your first intro? So I joined Toastmasters in 2010 when I moved to the Netherlands. Yeah, um, that was my first year. Uh, the first year in the Netherlands is never easy, you know. Mm. Uh, this country, the autumn, the weather is fantastic. The food is lovely. The people are warm. Mm. Okay, I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, no, I was like, where did you <laughs> I go? I saw your expression. He's like, what are you talking I about? I mean, I've been here since year one. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. No, but like, I, I remember like October, November, the autumn really hits you hard. Mm. Um, the food and, and I just missed warmth. I missed the sun. And it was really, really uh, frustrating time for me. Uh, also, my brother was in, is in the <laughs> Netherlands. He told me, you know, you love talking. Why don't you? There's this group of people that need to talk. Yeah. Toastmasters, why don't you go and you know meet them and join? And very reluctantly, December 2010, I went there uh, and I was very shy uh, to like, oh my God, these are outstanding speakers. What am I going to do in front of them? And uh, they gave me a, um, you know, the table topic that's like impromptu speaking. I still remember the topic they gave me. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Mm. And uh, I said, speaking in front of unknown unknown crowd, I don't, I've never done that before. Um, and yeah, they they even gave me a prize for best uh, impromptu speaker that evening. Wow! And then I never left. Yeah. Uh, this was twelve, thirteen years later. I'm still a member, um, and and uh, also co-founded a club in Amsterdam, and and yeah, that's where I met a lot of amazing people, including Alex. It's a great place to learn public speaking, groom in public speaking. And also a lot of leadership qualities I've learned there because you know there's a board that runs the club. Um, you have you 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 get mentored. You also mentor people, so it is really a safe space to try something new. Yeah, and I always tell this to people whenever they want to do something new in in that uh, safe space. Is like doing something new in Toastmasters is like painting a canvas. Mm. If it's bad, you can throw it away, but if it's good, you can use the same skills to paint your wall. I like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Toastmasters, like I've I've heard it before. Yeah, I had a guest on. It was Juan, actually, a colleague of mine, Juan mm -hmm. Manuel Perafan. Yeah, I know him. You know him, of course. Also I know through him. Toastmasters. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he's an awesome guy, and I was yeah, like, of he, course, he really pitched Toastmasters to me, and I yeah, was thinking yeah, about yeah. it. And I was like, okay, he's really awesome. Yeah, it, it sounds like a really good deal, but I always, and this is probably like a personal problem. I have trouble starting sometimes, right? Ah. Because I think about okay, the time investment. Like I, I take the responsibility seriously, so I would go. Okay, I'll drag you next time. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be hard for me to say no. But in any case, like how how gradually did you start? Were you all in from the start? No, I wasn't. I mean, uh, like, so I think a Toastmaster journey goes through. You know that like first it's amazing, then you lose interest, mm. then you get interest. It it goes through ups and downs. Um, but the thing that really hooked me to Toastmasters were the competitions. Okay, we had twice a year competition um, in various categories: humorous speech, impromptu speaking, evaluation, which is about hearing a speech and giving feedback within five minutes. Yeah, what can be done better? What can be done? An international speech, which goes up to world championship. So, 
if you have a speech, uh, you can become a world champion of public speaking. Yeah, which is really sounds amazing. really cool. Yeah, haven't done that yet. Still on my bucket list, but I've gone as far as uh, winning uh, two times the European level competition, which is the district in the speech evaluation competitions, and in and second and third prize in humorous and international speech. So awesome. still some work to do there. <laughs> <laughs> still awesome though, yeah. But the first time you're in such a big stage, I mean, I remember it was Leon. Um, I was competing. I was representing that back then. The division was the Netherlands, yeah. And there were several other European countries competing there, and I was the new kid on the block. 2014. Okay. Uh, it's electrifying to be in front of 450 people, and it was humorous speech. So I was making jokes, and they were laughing. I was getting applause, rooting, laughing. Um, I, I, it was surreal moment. Yeah. And and for me, that really got me hooked because I saw not the award actually. It's more the appreciation and also the journey I had from a club level to that level because you there are like at least three levels that you have to win before you go to that uh, European district level. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's you learn so much and you meet so many people. You know, you ask people for feedback, ask them to review your speech. You learn so many nuances, details of how you're using your stage, how you're moving, how your body language is looking, how the punch punchline is going or yeah. not working. So many details. At the same time, sometimes even only 10 or 5% is useful. Rest is just someone's opinion. It's, everything is opinion, you know? Yeah. Um, so you have to choose what you want to keep, what you don't want to keep. And that learning was so uh, rich that I felt like I want to do this again and again. That's really uh, cool. I, I have lost way more times than I have won. Yeah. Way more times. Um, I've won a few times, like I've, I've competed. It's, it's, it's a vulnerable thing to really put myself out there every year. Um, lose, uh, sometimes win. But like I said, I think the biggest takeaway is uh, what you, the things you learn in that uh, preparation phase. It's amazing. Yeah, the journey itself. For sure, for sure. That is so cool. That that gives you confidence to even speak outside that bubble. You know, like when I now, I mean, since when I started speaking <coughs> professionally, to go outside that bubble to complete new group and give a talk. That confidence came from. Yeah, those masters for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. Did you? Because standing on stage and doing something over and over and over again, like the only thing I can equate it to, and it's probably because I listen to a lot of audiobooks, is more so like the comedic scene where people, yeah. as a as a comedian, you go on stage. People even record themselves, yeah. re-listen, move jokes around, rephrase it slightly differently, or look at their posture and their punchlines and stuff. Something yeah. like that. Is it comparable to that? Yes, of course. There is yeah, right. uh, there is a little bit of that uh, imitation. Sometimes you, uh, uh, especially for pre prepared speeches. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like, if it's a very well renowned speaker, you yeah. know, uh, then everybody can really associate that you're trying to imitate someone that doesn't really go that well. Yeah. So uh, the more authentic you are, the better it is. And I think one of the things I I personally like in speeches, and I've seen in speeches that win are so well prepared that they look, it's been spoken off the cuff. Okay. That it looks like the speaker just thought of it, it's coming from the heart. It has no stuttering, no stumbling, no uh, hesitation. Yeah. But it's it doesn't look too staged. Yeah. The moment something looks staged, it doesn't touch your heart. It doesn't translate. No. Yeah. So I think, I always say that it's the next level. It's like the Shaolin, uh, 36 chambers of Shaolin. It's like that, uh, it's like the 36th step where um, you prepare so much that it, you look unprepared. Yeah. It looks you are speaking for off the cuff. It does not look staged. It doesn't look fake. 
it doesn't look too uh, you know uh, rehearsed i can imagine yeah do you look at your own like recordings or or speeches in that way and like analyze them i i honestly hate when i look my own <laughs> videos i'm like oh my god i'm so awful i'm um I isn't have, that where a lot of the learnings are yeah for sure for sure yeah. but i think it 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 the only capper to watching your own speeches you exactly know what was in your brain when you were doing that okay you know like you know exactly what you were feeling you know exactly what um and sometimes things are um things that happen are are not things that are in your head are not relevant to the speech yeah so um i'm thinking should i say this i'll say this but <laughs> if it's just this um so last year i gave a tedx talk uh, in in the in the few uh, university um i'm i'm very happy with it it went well it got nice reviews nice feedback it was about organizational change and transformation now i was the second speaker after the break uh, there was a break i i got already mic'd up so i'm i'm now in my i'm getting into the mo- momentum that i'm going to speak right after the first like the speaker after the break yeah Uh, I'm all mic'd up and everything so I'm very conscious not to drop water but of course you want to use the restroom drink some water and then as I'm washing my hands um you know I'm completely I'm zoned out the you know you need open the tap too hard the water just splashes right back you yeah. and it's just splashed all over my pants <laughs> <laughs> and and my first reaction is it was a very light cream colored pants so uh-huh. it's very visible if there's watermark <laughs> it's very very Could visible. Be more visible yeah it's 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 i'm like why didn't i remember to wear a dark pant today <laughs> like what are, what the hell is wrong with me and um i'm um and then i went to uh, i'm on the first row yeah and i'm really have a paper in my hand and i'm really trying to dry up my pants so I, when i'm on stage and this is going to be on youtube th- i'm not embarrassed by what's up there you know and i can't yeah. ask them to stop because i need to dry up and i have no other way you know it's it's too embarrassing and it luckily these cotton pants they get wet fast but they they get also dry really fast <laughs> it, it, it 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 i saw the video it's all good yeah. but even when i watch that video that's the first and perhaps the only thought in my head that I shouldn't have I should remember how to open but these are so small details of things you should do before going on stage that you only learn by making these mistakes yeah. that the next time you know you should not open the tap too like <laughs> these things happen also at work but yeah. nobody pays attention okay yeah whatever you know yeah. but when you're going to be on recorded it's kind of feels like a little big deal I I can imagine was that kind of on your mind as well when you were on stage like did it affect your performance you think No, I no no no. First no? first no. When I went on stage it was all all good. That's good. Uh, all good. I, um th- there are certain factors that you can't co- control. So this was one of them. The other thing that was there was the person before me had a very inspiring talk but, and but it was about war. Mm. Um he he was coming from a war torn country and he was talking about how the people were suffering and how what pain it the pain that the locals were going through. Yeah. Now, that's a very heavy topic to go after because um that's a that's a that's a serious topic that's very moving. You can see that really touches the group. Some people have tears in their eyes uh, considering the current situation. A lot of people also resonate with these things. Yeah. And then I'm going to go and start with some jokes because that's the first thing I do, humor at the start. And then I'm I was more concerned about that that um that i should not come across insensitive that, yeah make light of it yeah that you know that um 
and because it is tough it is it is the job of the master of ceremony to change the mood yeah but you cannot count on someone to really do that well but imagine somebody has a really personal story about something like this which is heavy and that's really sad and that's um very thought provoking and then you come up with something very silly to get get the audience reaction you will come across extremely insensitive somebody who doesn't um you know read the room mm. so it's it's so it's very important for, for me was to read the room at the same time keep in mind the youtube audience that's going to watch it so it's, yeah. it's, it's uh yeah that's hard to balance it's very hard to balance i can imagine yeah. like i did a i want to do more with public speaking yeah. like i haven't i haven't i'm dabbed. taking you with me to toastmaster <laughs> next month <laughs> I'll, i'll try it july I guys a, what, what i promise you when this episode does <laughs> he's already been there <laughs> we'll see we'll see but late last year like my company does a TED style kind of conference and yeah. it's, it's internal. So we still have a few hundred people, but it's internal, like it's colleagues you know. And I was like, okay, this is a small stepping stone for me to kind of dab into and try it out, see if I like it in the first place. And yeah. it was a talk, it was five minutes. Like it's it's nothing thinking back about it now. And I was like, okay, like I know I'm going to get nervous, but I also know I want to do that. So yeah. I prepared myself in a way that I was going to go first because yeah. you could say, okay, when do you want to go? It's like, absolutely first. Because then I, I've done it, I'm done. <laughs> All right, so I'm there, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the first one there. We're going to do this, and it's going to be fine. Like, I had, I had a serious topic. I prepared, but I didn't prepare too much. Like, I feel like that's my my groove. Yeah. And then I was ready for it. And they bring on this professional person. I don't even know what their title was, but it wasn't from our company. It was to warm up the crowd. And they did a whole 20-minute session, and they completely crushed it. Everyone's laughing. And I was like, oh, my God, the whole time, the 20 minutes, I'm like, I have to go after this. Damn. Because he was so good that I felt like I put myself down because of that. And I also was like, man, these people just laugh their ass off. They're not going to laugh about any yeah. of my jokes now anymore. Like it was pretty, pretty dreadful. Yeah, I, I, I think th um, th this is a very common thing that happens. Yeah, right? I think um, one of the things I love doing is being a master of ceremony. Mm. I love doing that role because you really uh, can uh, control and even manipulate the room. What is what is that role? So you are the one in, in responsible for introducing the speakers. Ah. And and you and I think the person who's doing that has the ultimate responsibility to set the tone. Yeah. So this person should know what the topic is, get a little bit of idea what you're going to talk about and uh warm the crowd in a way that they are ready for something like this because it is a quite a switch from if it's a you're laughing allowed to suddenly something very serious yeah this this heavy by the time you get the room five minutes is over yeah so you, you i think it's really the responsibility of the master of ceremony to uh, bridge that gap yeah and 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 uh yeah and and uh, remove the room in a way that is easier for the the next speaker who's going to come interesting i never saw that role like that but that is the responsibility that makes a lot of sense it, it it's a huge i mean any yeah. any uh, program conference uh, congress where the master of ceremony is inexperienced you will see it in the energy of the group mm. you will see how um, it's 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 people are tired or there is the there's this there's a disconnect some speakers are doing well some aren't some people are leaving uh, it's really the job of the ceremony master to make sure that every speaker gets the right uh, equal opportunity yeah and and it also the responsibility to bring the audience back from the last speaker to this current stage and pass it on to the next speaker that's really cool yeah i've done i've done that on a conference yeah. and i feel like the variation 
of like serious topic versus funny versus something mm. that's like really deep. I think it's not there as much. Like there's not as big of a contrast. So I just winged it. Like I like here, I'm on myself also on stage. If something funny happens, I try and make a joke and then introduce someone <laughs> new. But I, I really like that responsibility of tying the whole thing together, yeah. giving everyone equal opportunity along the way. Yeah, I, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think you with your energy, I think you, you feel the room. I, I, I you have a good. I try, yeah. Uh, understanding of what the crowd is feeling, uh, the time of the day, like after lunch or in the morning, and and that's that. Those sensitivity are very important to, um, you know, play with the room. You can only. Like they say, you can only break the law when you know the law. So you can only play with the room when you know the room. Yeah, I like that so a lot. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, but you went from, the only thing I'm wondering is, mm -hmm. okay, what, what distinguishes someone that is good on stage versus someone that's just on stage? Like what makes someone real good? And even for you personally, when did you get real good at this? You know, that's the funny thing. I, I don't know if you actually did see any speeches from of mine on yeah. YouTube. I don't consider myself good. Okay. I think but I'm other somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I really I I consider myself somebody who's learning every day. Okay. Because uh, it's it's public speaking for me is like diving. You know, mm. you 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 you're never learn you're never done uh, 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 learning new things. You're never done uh, uh, seeing something new. You're never done exploring a new depth because it's it's unlimited. Yeah. And the moment the day you stop doing that you're going to um you know become a one trick pony yeah um and that's that's really i think the worst thing that can happen to a speaker or a creative person because if you don't try new things if you don't try new styles then you're like yeah you're plateauing yeah but that, i i agree with that but there must have been something that you changed because you do reflect on yes, kind of what you do yes for sure do, right? for sure i think um i'm i'm trying to think i think one of the personal big milestone was to tackle my restless energy mm. i'm a very restless person and uh, and also i think i i do get ideas a lot of ideas so restless with ideas make it deadly combination because i'm always trying to like stuff as much as possible in in a content like ah, okay. like you know and i always thought like why are people not you know accepting it uh, but that's because you give it too much you yeah. overwhelm people with too many things you don't make it uh, scarce i think to calm myself down and 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 trust that less is more was really a big uh, step i i'm mm. still getting better at it i'm not there yet yeah i still whenever i have to prepare a talk and stuff i'm like i don't have enough content um, but it's it's really about trusting that less is more and things will f flow that's i think the biggest uh, moment yeah and um i think also, when I started co helping people, like coaching or giving mentoring to other speakers, you also see things they can do better. And Similarities think, also. Yeah. yeah. And and now that you say, I, have, I, I, it's a probably a big, a little philosophical answer, but um, I, I have a definition of success. Okay. Um, I believe it. It is the ability to give away everything that you have, uh, from a good idea or money or um, everything that you have to a person because you have the belief that you can re-establish it all over again mm. that state of mind is success or uh, you know you've reached somewhere um, if you ask me I think more than applause more than any awards 
when I felt confident that I'm good at public speaking is when I've actually helped and coached somebody. Yeah. And in that process, I got a great line. Oh, you should try this line. Oh, try this style. If if an idea has come to me, I have never held back sharing it, uh, thinking that, no, no, let me keep it for myself. Oh yeah. my God, this is such a gem. I should not give it away. I have actually given it away. And, and, uh, and when I have done that, I actually felt like when I've seen them do that on stage and being successful, that line worked and people were like, oh, that line that you gave me was so perfect that worked. I felt like I, I've I grown as a speaker to be yeah. able to be confident enough to give away these, you know, the best gems because I know I can recreate it all over again. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think that's that's the mindset you should have, right? Especially if you're in a teaching role. Yeah. There's enough for everyone to go around. Absolutely. Right? And if you can shake this gem out, you can do another one as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, yeah. What, now that you asked me, I'm curious, what What would you want to see in a speaker to, to consider them a good speaker? For me, I, I'm going to draw a lot of similarities to the podcast because the, the mm -hmm. reason I got better at this, I feel like, is because I, started editing my own episodes mm -hmm. i would re-listen to myself and be like okay i don't like what i'm saying this has a response i didn't pay attention i didn't actually really listen yeah, to what yeah, that yeah. person said i was tired i didn't like my body language like a lot of criticisms then came to light and i try to be good at storytelling i try to start with a certain story circle back to it at the end be concrete know where i'm going but still take the audience with me i feel yeah. like if i see someone on stage that can do that Start with a story, go deep, take people with them, yeah. be eloquent in the things they're saying. Exactly as you say, probably prepare a lot, but yeah. don't act like you've prepared a lot. Yeah, exactly. Just naturally flow. Yeah. I think that's what I'm looking for in a, yeah. in a speaker as well. So prepared but not staged. Yeah, that's yeah. what I feel like. And I I try and I wouldn't say emulate. I feel like that's my preferred style yeah. in a way. But sometimes I feel like I'm not prepared enough. Like <laughs> when I did those five minutes, when I came off, I yeah. compare myself to every person there, every single person. Yeah. And when I thought their content was better than mine or their story had a better sequence than mine, I would think, okay, that's what I can improve. So then afterwards, during recess, people would say like, oh, I loved so-and-so what you said and blah, blah, blah. They would point out specific things. And I would be with those criticisms in mind. I would be like, yeah, but the content wasn't that great. Like next time I'll, I'll fix the content and I'll, I'll make it more sharp, more whatever yeah. the hell I had in my mind. Uh, that was a hard uh, hard part looking back. Someone actually told me, listen, everyone's saying good things. Why, why are you doing this to yourself? But I know exactly that feeling yeah, because right. it's, it's um, first of all, whenever I'm done with a speech and people come and give compliments, um, I, I hope I don't sound cocky, but I do get <laughs> compliments I mean, yeah. every now and then. First of all, I'm very tired, yeah. you know, because it takes a lot of out of you to even a five minute speech, by the way, I think it's tougher than half an hour talk mm. because in a half an hour talk, you have the room to be, to stutter, to say a thing twice or even space. Yeah, much more space to maneuver, yeah. to, to come back. And in the end, people remember four or five things, you know, so you can plant those gems anywhere, you know, yeah. but a five minutes talk has to be compact, has to be concise, has to really have everything ticked. And you have almost no room to, uh, you know, fail, you know. And the shorter the talk, the more challenging it is, Yeah, I, I feel. But still, it's a very tiring experience. When you're tired and people come and give you these really great words, they were great. And da, 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 da. I want to run away. I mm -hmm. personally want to run away. Because I did. 
I, I did. just don't have brain space to take anything. I would really prefer somebody writing me an email. That happens as well. Yeah. That email I read, that email email is I I really cherish it, but in that moment I'm not uh I'm not I I I I tell people it's like when oil is really hot, you don't throw some, you know, vegetables in it. It'll just burn it or it'll throw it back. Yeah. You need to and right now I am that hot oil. I'm not in the capacity to take in any feedback, positive, negative, none. Yeah. Uh, just say you were good, we'll get back to you. That's <laughs> enough. Interesting. Like I I don't know if I I do recognize that I was drained and I actually I I set myself apart. I went and sat in a corner by myself. And I was like I just need a moment. I pretended yeah. to be on my phone. I actually just looked at the screen. I was like I need a moment. <laughs> I need to be by myself right now. I I, I, was I know that feeling. I have once taken a fire exit yeah. to the ninth floor of a, ho- a hotel because everyone, I mean, I was getting really nice words. I mean, I want those nice words, by the way. Please don't stop saying those <laughs> nice words because that's lovely. But I just didn't have energy. I just like pretended to go to the toilet, to the fire exit, to go to my room. And I was like lying there. I was very happy. Adrenaline was really high. But... You know this is also a, pre- a this is also a, a performance you know you're doing mm-hmm. it in front of so much people yeah so you need a what do you call that like a moment with yourself from from being on stage to being in 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 middle of the crowd takes you need a, to recharge yeah I, i some people do it some people really do it i i struggle with it yeah, I, same pro- here. yeah. I i i need at least 10 minutes of me time yeah Yes, If, before I can, you know, I need to recharge my battery. I need to, um, you know, uh, pacify the inner introvert me and then <laughs> give the extrovert me the chance to come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I really feel the same in that way. But I like I like the question you posed that what do you look for when someone is on stage? Like what what do you think makes a real good speaker? Whether it's public speaking, presentation, maybe even in a in a more office setting or just standing on stage? What do you look for? Um, you know, it's 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 like uh, you can look at the details. You know, so last month I was at a conference of Toastmasters, and one of my friend was the uh, the keynote. Uh, he spoke. He has been to the World Championship. He came second, and he spoke about don't look at the notes, look at the music. Hmm. You need the notes to create a perfect music, but uh, you don't need to. Uh, I mean. If you focus too much on the notes, you'll forget to make the big impact. Yeah, uh, those are the words of Aditya. He was the keynote speaker. He's a fantastic speaker, one of the best I have seen, and a really great mentor figure to me. Um, and I really think that that's powerful. Like, it's not always about the details, about the body language, about the voice, and everything. It's it's really about the overall feeling people get out of your presentation. Hmm. So many times I've seen at work when leaders are giving town hall or um giving presentations and stuff they are focused on the slides or how those slides are designed or um uh, how quickly they want to be done and move on what they don't emphasize is the feeling that they are giving to the group are they giving a feeling of positivity are they giving a feeling of sense of urgency are they giving a feeling of uh you know camaraderie they don't have no idea the feeling that they should give mm. and they are giving because in the end um we all take home a feeling like either it is like you feel disconnect or you feel really charged up or you feel super motivated yeah so one way or the other we any any event that we have in our life we take home at least one feeling so 
might as well be more conscious about what we want to give th- through a speech. Um, I there was when I was get get learning public speaking and getting at it. Um, I would look at details, body language, how they're standing, their hands in the pocket, or uh, how they are moving on stage, how they're using the clicker, how the opening and closing are. But th- the thing that I really look for now, especially during COVID times, I I saw the need for this feeling. Hmm. It's that how conscious and how deliberate are you with the with the impression and the feeling you want to give to the group of people? Yeah, because. Um, you know, it, it, the classic is during the lockdown, somebody says, you know, in a very monoton, monogamous, sorry, monotonous, sorry, not monogamous, <laughs> sorry, in a very, mon- why is that in my mind? Never mind. No <laughs> in a very monotonous and a very, uh, you know, impersonal way that, you know, we will, we are here for you. We are one big family. The feeling you will get is, uh, and we got was like, yeah, you're just doing it to take a box. You don't really care about us. You no. just, you know, um, you don't really care. And and the same text with so a little more care could have had triggered magic. We could have created really good impact in 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 the team. So I think that's definitely what I look for these days. That how conscious and deliberate is the speaker mm. with the feeling they want to give to the group. Yeah, but that is. That's very abstract, isn't it? Like, how do you give off a feeling? I I think I can do it, but I have no clue how I do it. Well, it, it really depends on the context, of course. But it's not that hard. It is sometimes just choice of words. It is choice of adjectives. It's a choice of stories that you use. Um, I mean, are you just presenting a, a like a data or just giving bullet points or... Are you giving a personal story? Yeah. I, I still remember uh, in my first job in India, uh, we had a bit of a reorganization. It was really early in my career, like first three months. And our one of the department heads once was giving a town hall. And he said, this is the this is what it means. This this is this is the impact that can happen. Da, da, da. And then he tells about like, listen, I have been uh, when I started off, I got fired from two jobs. Mm. Um but I, I felt really bad. But sometimes I look back, that was the best thing that happened to me. Yeah. Because sometimes it's not about falling, it's about standing up. So if you feel yourself falling, take a moment, but stand up, you know? I mean, I'm paraphrasing now. It was long back, 2007. Yeah. But knowing, oh my God, he, even the boss has gone through this. And and not just he gave it as a fact, but he also described, got into more into the feelings, how he felt when he was 23, out of job, fresh out of university, his peers were working, he didn't have job, he felt uncomfortable socializing because everybody was employed, he wasn't, how he was going through that depression. And then, you know, he decided to bounce back, how hard it was, but in the end he was happy because in that job he would have been only two steps up, but now he found something that really is passionate about. That, that I think that vulnerable story made us feel like you, you're not the only one who's, who's going through this, you know? Yeah. So it's it's also the personal touch that you bring to the story, and that's more than facts and uh, figures, you know, yeah. emotions. Making people or or allowing people to relate rather, right? Yeah. By by making yourself kind of. It's it's, it's sometimes it's sometimes it's just choice of words. It's mm-hmm. it's it's also, um, you know, like, I mean, one of the things we really take it for granted that. If you are in a leadership position, you must know everything. Yeah. But the truth is, leaders are more nervous with public speaking than 
a junior analyst or somebody or junior consultant because for them anything they do is great you're a your new kid in the block you're doing something new you will get applauded yeah. however if you're a leader and you do it and you don't do it well then you will be criticized mm. so they are much more nervous to do do it right than someone you know they're putting their reputation out there yeah. so so many times when i worked with uh, people in leadership position they are much more nervous much more reluctant to try something new much more reluctant to make a personal uh, you know uh, reference because they don't want to be too vulnerable mm. uh, and 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 yeah they just so they are way more nervous yeah. so sometimes what you see as reluctance and 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 an air of indifference is nothing but nervous reaction but but which comes across like you don't care about us but yeah. it's just they're nervous do you also look at like if if it's your own leader or like a leadership group when they're not as great in public speaking like when they're great at public speaking i really enjoy it mm-hmm. and i'm happy that they're kind of the leadership team or part of it but when they're not as great in public speaking i do feel it reflects something on them yeah for I, sure i don't for know sure. what that is sure. but i do feel different i must for say for sure for sure i mean uh i i i agree with that i mean i and this is probably a very unpopular opinion but i really believe it's it's not that scary public speaking it's actually um a wonderful skill to have it is a it is a low hanging fruit trust me i'm trying to learn driving it's way harder <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> yeah exactly it's way harder than public speaking um so i tried rowing it's way harder than public the speaking the rowing's doable come on <laughs> wow. well <laughs> wasn't for me so i can <laughs> yeah. tell you uh, it just needs practice and i think um it's it's really about trying every every opportunity possible yeah trying every day or not every day is probably extreme but every week or so uh, getting up on stage t- taking up every moment to wherever you can speak to take it taking help mm. even conversations uh with colleagues uh make it a speech you know instead of just being few words and i think it's not just for public speaking for everything um i think a consistent mediocrity is better than sporadic brilliance yeah um i think if you consistently practice it you will get way better than people who have this one great speech and never spoke again yeah I love that man. Based on that, I I think uh I think that's everything that went through my mind. I want to round it off here actually. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank I you, think sir. it's a real good reflection of how to speak in public, right? The different tool sets that you can use kind of to leverage and get better. How it's not about perfection, how it's about consistency. It it is about consistency. I like consistency, that a lot. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Then I'm going to round it off here. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to put all Sabi's socials in the description below. Check him out. Let him know you came from our show. And with that being said, thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one.